But more often than not, as people have looked at the evidence, it has pointed just to one fact and one fact alone, that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. A former Lord Chief Justice of England, Lord Darling, said this, In its favour as living truth, there exists such overwhelming evidence positive and negative, factual and circumstantial, that no intelligent jury in the world could fail to bring a verdict that the story of the resurrection is true. Is true. It's the only satisfactory explanation. And I think one of the greatest, for me, one of the greatest evidences that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead was the complete transformation of his disciples, of his followers. From one moment being totally heartbroken, fearful, locking the door, to being overjoyed, full of hope. Theologian N.T. Wright once said this, you cannot explain the rise of early Christianity unless Jesus rose again, leaving behind him an empty tomb. You know, we often attribute the day of Pentecost to the complete transformation of Jesus' followers. And indeed, that was the moment of their empowering to go out into all the world, to make disciples of all nations. That was the moment they were empowered. But it was the resurrection that first turned their lives around, that first gave them hope again, that gave them, that made them come alive again. Made them come alive. See, the amazing truth of Easter is that it's not just enough to believe that a guy called Jesus Christ died and then three days later rose again. Wow, that's a neat trick. You know, it's not enough just to believe that. The full message of Easter is that we too can get to share in his resurrection life. We too get to come alive in him. That's the theme of our Easter this year, to come alive, because that is what God's heart is for each one of us, to come alive in Jesus, to know what it means to really live, to know the freedom and the peace and the security and the power that only Jesus can provide. That was the whole point of John writing his gospel. He explains that in this very chapter, in chapter 20. He says, the whole point of me writing this is so that you may believe in Jesus and in believing you may have life. You may have life. Jesus himself said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Have it to the full. That is the message of Easter. You can partake in this resurrection life. I don't know if you're a Monty Python fan. There was a, there was a film called The Life of Brian. A little bit sacrilegious. But there was a very amusing scene. The scene was a bunch of first century Jews asking the question, what have the Romans ever done for us? Do you remember that scene? What have the Romans ever done for us? And every time that question's asked, it is answered by something hugely positive, like, well, um, roads. 
medicine, law and order, uh, education, you know, and, it's, and each time it's answered, it's, well, well, yes, apart from that, what have the Romans ever done for us? Well, civil peace, yes, but apart from that, the thing is, Adrian Warnock, who wrote a brilliant book called Raised with Christ, pointed out that we can have that same sort of attitude with the, with the resurrection, particularly if you're familiar with the Easter story. You can forget what has the resurrection done for us. Well, <laughs> in a nutshell, as we've said, it's changed absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. But this morning, I, I just want to briefly focus on three key things that come out of that short passage we read in chapter 20 of John's Gospel. Firstly, because Jesus rose from the dead, we can have eternal life. How's that for starters? We can know eternal life. In our passage, Jesus comes to his disciples to reassure them. He, he shows them his hands and his side signs that the, 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 the price for their salvation has indeed been paid. He truly was the perfect sacrifice for all our sins. You know, ever since sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's rebellion against God, we have been eternally separated from God. God is holy. He cannot look on sin Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. So literally, this death sentence has been hanging over mankind. But praise God, Romans 6.23 goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus paid those wages in full with his life. A life that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be called the righteousness of God. Incredible, wonderful exchange. Jesus said, I'll take your sin and I'll give you my perfect righteousness. An exchange took place on the cross so that we could be accepted, united by God the Father. And here he was, standing amongst his disciples, living proof that the price had indeed been paid. You see, if Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, death would have had the victory. Death would have won. But Jesus conquered death. Death could have no claim on him. Because he was perfect. He rose again because death was being de had been defeated. He rose again because sin had been paid for. Sin had been defeated. Death had no claim on him. It had to release him from the grave. And here he was standing in the middle of his disciples, living proof. It was indeed finished. When he declared it on the cross... The resurrection proved that it was indeed finished. I love the way Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, therefore, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? 
The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. He gives us victory through Christ Jesus. It's amazing. Sin no longer has any claim over you if you put your trust in Jesus. Death no longer means eternal separation anymore. For those who put their trust in Jesus, death is just a stepping stone into the presence of God. You remember the criminal hanging next to Jesus on the cross who put his trust in Jesus. Jesus turned to him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. There is no more fear in death for those who put their trust in Jesus. For so many in this world, the greatest fear is death still. But for those who put their trust in Jesus, there is no fear. There is amazing hope. I love the way the message puts Romans 6, verses 6 to 11. It says this, Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer at sin's beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included into Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included into his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a, sig- a signal of the end of death as the end. I love that. It was the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. It's powerful, isn't it? What has the resurrection ever done for us? Through Christ, it's given us eternal life. It's given us hope. One of Paul's favorite sayings for those who put their trust in God is that they are in Christ. They are in Christ. It means that his death was our death and that his resurrection was our resurrection into new life. We can partake in this hope beyond the grave. We can partake in this resurrection life. It doesn't stop there because Easter isn't just good news for when we die. It's not just a future hope. It's a present living hope. Jesus wants us to experience this new life in the here and now. It also gives us an empowered life. Easter declares that we can know an empowered life. As we were singing this morning, Romans 8:11, the same spirit or the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. It's amazing, isn't it? The same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. This new life in Christ is an empowered life. As we read in our passage, Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we know they had to wait until Pentecost to receive the full-blown baptism of the Holy Spirit. This was perhaps a foretaste of what was to come, but it is so reminiscent of when God breathed onto Adam right back at the beginning in Genesis 2. Now, Jesus is breathing new life into his followers. 
Amazing. A life that is not designed to be worked out in isolation or in our own strength, but in the power of the risen Lord, empowered by the Spirit of God. Galatians 2.19 says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Get your head around that for a moment. Jesus' death-conquering, sin-defeating, Holy Spirit-empowered life in you, lives in you. It's a truth we need to get our heads around because it totally shapes how we live. It should totally shape our thinking. It should totally shape our identity. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. It means I don't have to give in to sin. So we've just read, we are no longer at sin's beck and call. Why? Because Jesus' sin-conquering power is in me. We don't have to give in to fear. We don't have to give in to our insecurities or into our small-minded thinking, restricted by our circumstances. But we can know the guidance and the wisdom and the peace and the power of God. Whatever season we're going through, even through the worst of times, we can know his life-giving presence. When we turn on the TV, see another terrorist attack, when we see the world tearing itself apart, still we can know the life-giving presence of God. We can know that our joy and our hope is not dictated to by our circumstances. If death itself could not hold Jesus down, then what issue, what problem, what sin, what brokenness, what sickness is too great for him? The challenge for every believer is do we live in the reality of this every day? Do we live in the reality of the resurrection every day of our lives? The fact that we too have been raised, past tense, with Christ. That we can draw on his power and his strength. Do we live in that reality every day? You know, I think it's easy. We can read the, the Gospels and we can, we can kind of look down on the disciples and go, how slow are they? You know, Jesus had said many times he was going to die and he was going to come back to life. And you think, how long did it take for the penny to drop? Why were they even shocked? It's easy to look down on them. I think we would have probably been exactly the same. In fact, we are exactly the same. Every time we give in to fear, every time we give in to sin, every time we allow our circumstances to defeat us, we're basically being like the disciples before they encountered the resurrected Christ. Locked up in that room out of fear, batten down the hatches, let's, let's just hold it together. That is not the life Jesus has called you to. He has not called you to keep that door locked, batten down the hatches, let's hold on. He's called us to a full, empowered, eternal life. It's an overcoming life. 
That's the life. We need to live each day in the reality of the resurrection. The resurrection has given us eternal life, an overpowering, empowered life, an overcoming, empowered life, but also thirdly and finally, a life of purpose, a purposeful life. I remember when I was around about 15 or 16, having a conversation with my best friend at the time, and we were talking about the meaning of life, as you do, and... uh, I remember saying, you know what, I've never asked the question, why am I here? What is the meaning to all this? And he just looked at me blankly and said, what on earth do you mean? Everybody asks the question, why am I here? What is the purpose to life? It is the fundamental question of life. What do you mean you've never asked that question? I said, well, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a Christian family. I knew I was created by God for a purpose, that he had plans to prosper and not to harm me. I didn't know the specifics of what those plans were, but that I trusted him totally with my life. I'm kind of excited to see how that's going to pan out. He was gobsmacked. Because I, I can't believe you've never asked that question. I said, well, I've always known this, this sense of purpose in God. To cut a long story short, he gave his life to God a few weeks later. That started him thinking, started him down the journey. Well, there must be something in this. And he himself, a few weeks later, discovered that the life Jesus gives is a life of meaning and purpose. See, people try and find meaning in so many different things, don't they? In money, in careers, status, in things, in relationships. The trouble is, anything that is temporal will always disappoint because it doesn't last. Anything that is temporal will always disappoint you. People will let you down because they are not perfect. But... When we find meaning and purpose in Jesus, we will never be disappointed because he is alive never again to die. He is alive forevermore. He is perfect in all his ways. He will never let you down. You can find true meaning and purpose in Jesus, in the life that he gives. You know, God hasn't called us to a a self-obsessed, inward-looking life, but a life of real purpose and joy. And back in our passage, just to finish off, Jesus commissions his disciples right then and there. I mean, just a few moments before, they'd been terrified, fearful, And now he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What a handover. There's that baton. It's yours now. Run with it. That's a pretty short time, isn't it? From being defeated, on your knees, trembling, we're going to die, to being commissioned by God with the same authority that the Father has given me, I now send you. That is an amazing purpose to their life. But the truth is, we too don't just go in the empowering of God, 
we also go in the authority of God. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus says the same thing to every believer, every follower. We have the same authority and we have the same commission to tell the world that Jesus is alive, that sin and death have been defeated, that we can know peace with God. The Easter message is pretty radical, isn't it? When we look at it, it's an invitation to come alive in Jesus. And for every believer, the invitation, as I said, is would you live, will you live daily in the light of the resurrection? The fact that you too have been raised with Christ, that you can know his power and his authority, that you can know a hope that goes beyond the grave. Are you living daily in that reality? But the invitation for those of you who don't yet believe, maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus, the invitation to you is equally radical. Jesus is asking you today, will you die to your old life so that you can live a new, eternal, empowered purposeful life in Jesus Christ. It's the invitation to you. You know, like Mary in that garden, Jesus calls you by name because he loves you. He knows you and he wants you to know him too. Will you respond to his invitation to come alive in him?